It is the glory of God to conceal a matter. To search it out is the glory of kings. This is the Message to Kings podcast. Episode 112, David's Succession Crisis and the Intercession of Bathsheba. At this point in our story, David's about 70 years old, and he's approaching the end of his life. His wild ride has been an incredible one, and it's not going to end without drama. First of all, the Bible says that David couldn't keep warm, even when covers covered him. It must have been serious for the Bible to even give a medical condition. I'm no doctor, but doing a little research indicates David may have suffered from very low blood pressure, which could be, could be, an indicator of a bigger heart problem. Most temperature symptoms point to a heart condition, which could be what finally takes David's life. Interesting how David, a man after God's heart, now appears, take note I'm no doctor, to suffer and possibly die from a heart condition. One could really run with this thought, that the man after God's heart died of a heart condition. The pain and suffering and knowledge of God's heart is a heavy burden. This and the combination of truly knowing the pain it caused God to see him sin, and possibly the prophetic weight of seeing the future of his country during times of worship, could have been too much for his heart to handle. Interesting, huh? Well, counselors have to give advice, and that's why they're paid. David's counselors requested he get treatment, and their advice was find a beautiful woman to lay in bed with David. His counselors go through the land to find a woman to fulfill this need. This happens, and her name is Abishag, a Shunammite. Apparently, this helps David, or at least best delays his health problem for a short while. But inevitably, David's health condition worsens, and most people know the end is coming for David. And this causes some to take advantage of the instability caused by a king whose health is failing. In this episode, we cover the succession crisis at the end of David's life and the ascent to the throne of Solomon. First Kings 1 5. Now Adonijah, whose mother was Haggith, put himself forward and said, I will be king. So he got chariots and horses ready with 50 men to run ahead of him. His father had never rebuked him by asking, Why do you behave as you do? He was also very handsome and was born next after Absalom. Adonijah conferred with Joab, son of Zeruah, and went Abiathar the priest, and they gave him their support. But Zadok the priest, Beniah, son of Jehoiada, Nathan the prophet, Shimea and Rai, and David's special guard did not join Adonijah. Adonijah then sacrificed sheep, cattle, and fattened calves at the stone of Jehoadath near Enrogel. He invited all of his brothers, the king's sons, and all the royal officials of Judah, but he did not invite Nathan the prophet, or Beniah, or the special guard, or his brother Solomon. Take note of that phrase. It was actually written in parentheses in the Bible. His father never rebuked him. 
David really had a horrible time rebuking people and especially his own children. The David who had no trouble showing no mercy on the battlefield had a horrible time of not showing mercy off the battlefield. I say all this because it's like David gets it at the end of his life. For his last words to his successor Solomon surprisingly lack the expected mercy. All right, Adonijah was David's fourth son and a legitimate successor to the throne. But it appears David didn't choose Adonijah. Instead, we find out later he chooses Solomon. It was customary for the father to give the kingship to his eldest son. But then again, David was the eighth son of Jesse. See, God doesn't do things the same way, and nor would David. I've got to believe Adonijah was just like his disobedient brothers before him. But Solomon was the product of David's attempt to mend his ways and to be a good father and a discipler of his son. So we can't miss what's happening here. Joab is in support of Adonijah, which implies the army will be in support of Joab and Adonijah. This, no doubt, was a power play by Joab, knowing he would not retain his role if Solomon became king. Also, we need to notice the horrible betrayal of Abiathar, who's really old at this point. This is the same Abiathar, the once only survival of Saul's murderous rage at Nob. I find it crazy that Abiathar deserts David at the very end. The men who were not invited were Solomon, Nathan the prophet, faithful Zadok the priest, Benaiah and the special guard, which implies the Carathites, Pelathites, and the mighty men. 1 Kings 1.11 Then Nathan asked Bathsheba, Solomon's mother, have you not heard that Adonijah, the son of Hagath, has become king, and your lord David knows nothing about it? Now then, let me advise you how you can save your own life and the life of your own son, Solomon. Go in to King David and say to him, My lord the king, did you not swear to me your servant? Surely Solomon, your son, shall be king after me, and he will sit on my throne. Why then has Adonijah become king? While you are still there talking to the king, I will come in and add my word to what you have said. All right, Nathan the Faithful always has a thing for the dramatic. Seriously, he could have been a movie star today. He always liked putting on a good show. He's the same Nathan who rebuked David for the sin with Bathsheba by telling him a similar story of someone else's sin. None of his words are without flair. I don't see him as some crazy prophetic-looking prophet, but at the same time, he sure loves a great drama and presentation. He actually tells Bathsheba to go in there, speak to the king, and as she is about done speaking, he's going to show up and add his words. He was savvy, like he was always performing, and he set up his talks and words for his king. Now, we've got to give Bathsheba her time in the spotlight here. She shows tactfulness, forgiveness, and boldness. In she walks, no longer the young beauty of her day and the one who stole the king's heart. In she walks into David's bedchamber, and another woman is in bed with him. Bathsheba asked to swallow her pride and forgive any hatred she had for Abishag in order to convince her husband to do the right thing. 1 King 1.15 So Bathsheba went in to see the aged king in his room, where Abishag, the Shunammite, was attending him. Bathsheba bowed down, prostrated herself before the king. What is it you want? The king asked. She said to him, My lord, you yourself swore to me, your servant, by the Lord your God, Solomon, your son, shall be king after me, and he will sit on my throne. But now Adonijah has become king, and you, my lord the king, do not know about it. 
He sacrificed great numbers of cattle, fattened calves and sheep, and has invited all the king's sons, Abiathar the priest, Joab the commander of the army, but he has not invited Solomon your servant. My lord the king, the eyes of all Israel are on you, to learn from you who shall sit on the throne of my lord the king after him. Otherwise, as soon as my lord the king is laid to rest with his ancestors, I and my son Solomon will be treated as criminals." While she was still speaking with the king, Nathan the prophet arrived, and the king was told, Nathan the prophet is here. So he went before the king and bowed with his face to the ground. Nathan said, Have you, my lord, the king, declared that Adonijah shall be king after you, and he will sit on your throne? Today he has gone down and sacrificed great numbers of cattle, fattened calves, and sheep. He has invited all the king's sons, the commanders of the army, and Abiathar the priest. Right now they are eating and drinking with him and saying, Long live King Adonijah. But me, your servant, Zadok the priest, Benaiah, son of Jehoiada, and your servant, Solomon, he did not invite. Is this something my lord the king has done without letting his servants know who will sit on the throne of my lord the king after him? What a presentation. I mean, Nathan knew what he was doing. No doubt, ailing David was inspired to action. But check out the next verse. It's quite peculiar. 1 Kings one twenty-eight. Then David said, Call in Bathsheba. So she came into the king's presence and stood before him. Doesn't this seem out of place? Wasn't Bathsheba there when Nathan entered the room? Maybe she exited and then returned. It's strangely unclear, but I think it's for a reason. It seems like one of those biblical, seemingly unimportant, yet really important phrases. Call in Bathsheba. Bathsheba's name means daughter of an oath. All right, so what's the oath? The oath was stated by Bathsheba, 1 Kings 1.7. She said to him, My Lord, you yourself swore to me, your servant, by the Lord your God, Solomon your son shall be king after me, and he will sit on my throne. She was the daughter of an oath. What's the oath? The oath is that her son would be king, and with it was God's promises to her family line whose promise goes way back to the promise after the ark comes to Jerusalem, that David's kingship would be eternal, and never would a descendant not be on the throne. This promise was for her son, Solomon. Here is Bathsheba fighting for the birthright of her son. Her son's birthright was in danger. Bathsheba is remembered for the adultery with David, but in this moment she shows boldness and care for the promises of her son. So taking the meaning of her name, David says, call in the daughter of God's promises. In other words, God, we call upon your promises. And David confirms the importance by taking an oath. 1 Kings one twenty nine. The king then took an oath. As surely as the Lord lives, who has delivered me from out of every trouble, I will surely carry out this very day what I swore to you by the Lord, the God of Israel. Solomon, your son, shall be king after me, and he will sit on my throne in my place. Then Bathsheba bowed down with her face to the ground, prostrating herself before the king, and said, May my lord the king, David, live forever. Bathsheba's words betray the word of God that she was meditating on. It was David's promise by God through Nathan that the throne of David would last forever. Here she is, the chosen queen mother, bowing before her dying king. May you live forever. May your kingdom live forever. May your prosperity never cease. May the throne last forever. 
with your son, my son, upon the throne. 1 Kings one thirty two. King David said, Call in Zadok the priest, Nathan the prophet, and Benaiah, son of Jehoiada. When they came before the king, he said to them, Take your Lord's servants with you, and have Solomon my son mount my mule, and take him down to Gihon. There have Zadok the priest, Nathan the prophet, anoint him king over Israel, blow the trumpet, and shout, Long live King Solomon. Then you are to go up with him, and he is to come and sit on my throne and reign in my place. I have appointed him ruler over Israel and Judah. Benaiah, son of Jehoiada, answered the king, Amen. May the Lord, the God of my lord the king, so declare it. As the Lord was with my lord the king, so may he be with Solomon to make his throne even greater than the throne of my lord king David. With one order to these men, Zadok with the priests, Nathan with the prophets, and Benaiah with the king's personal guard and faithful soldiers, declare Solomon king at the base of Jerusalem. 1 Kings one thirty-eight. So Zadok the priest, Nathan the prophet, Benaiah son of Jehoiada, the Kerithites and the Pelethites, went down and had Solomon mount King David's mule, and they escorted him to Gihon. Zadok the priest took the horn of oil from the sacred tent and anointed Solomon. Then they sounded the trumpet, and all the people shouted, Long live King Solomon! And all the people went after him, playing pipes and rejoicing greatly, so that the ground shook with the sound. At Anijan, all the guests who were with them heard it as they were finishing their feast. On hearing the sound of the trumpet, Joab was asked, What's the meaning of all the noise in the city? Even as he was speaking, Jonathan, son of Abiathar, the priest, arrived. Adonijah said, Come in. A worthy man like you must bring good news. Not at all, Jonathan said. Our Lord King David has made Solomon king. The king has sent with him Zadok the priest, Nathan the prophet, Benaiah, son of Jehoiada, the Kerithites and the Pelethites, and they have put him on the king's mule. And Zadok the priest and Nathan the prophet have anointed him king at Gihon. And from there they have gone up cheering, and the city resounds with it. That's the noise you hear. Moreover, Solomon has taken his seat on the royal throne. Also the royal servants have come to congratulate our Lord King David, saying, May your God make Solomon's name more famous than yours, and his throne greater than yours. And the king bowed in worship on his bed, and said, Praise be the Lord, the God of Israel, who has allowed my eyes to see a successor on my throne today. At this, all of Adonijah's guests rose in alarm and dispersed. The authenticity having priests and prophets and David's approval was too much for anyone to disagree, and the sound of people creating shockwaves in the atmosphere, and heaven must have showed its approval for Solomon, for it said the ground shook with the sound. And to top it off, when Adonijah's supporters heard about Benaiah and the mighty men, there was no hope for success, and everyone ran for their lives. 1 Kings one fifty. But Adonijah, in fear of Solomon, went and took hold of the horns of the altar. Then Solomon was told, Adonijah is afraid of King Solomon and is clinging to the horns of the altar. He says, Let King Solomon swear to me today that he will not put a servant to death with the sword. Solomon replied, If he shows himself to be worthy, not a hair of his head will fall to the ground. But if evil is found in him, he will die. Then King Solomon sent men, and they brought him down from the altar. And Adonijah came and bowed down to King Solomon. And Solomon said, Go to your home. Here is Solomon's first action as king. 
He gives out wise counsel and conditional mercy. His rule will be different than his father's. When Adonijah asks for mercy, his response is conditional. If you are worthy, now go home. To conclude this episode of Message to Kings, we've got to go back to that scene with Bathsheba. The word Bathsheba instantly conjures up the memory or thought of David and adultery and his worst moment as king. Well, that's Bathsheba, but there's more to her story. We should never discount her sin and her husband's sin. Yet I will say she was young and foolish then. Could it be she has matured and showed a faithful companion to David in his elder years? After all, God did choose Bathsheba to be the mother of the wisest man to ever walk the earth. There's got to be more to Bathsheba, and we get a glimpse of it in this scene. There are many hidden themes of women in the Bible, but most of them evolve around intercession and petitions for survival and inheritance. Others deal with spiritual warfare. As for the petitions and inheritances, we go to the daughters of Zephalahad, Aksa, Ruth, and Rahab, who petitioned for survival, and many others. Here is Bathsheba now interceding on the behalf of her son for her and his inheritance. Picture the scene with me again and understand how this applies to mothers and anyone who is holding on to a promise of God. In this case, Bathsheba's promise was the line of David and the eternal kingdom and her son to be king. In walks Bathsheba, trembling and full of fear, but with boldness and determination. She kneels before the king's bed, distraught. She falls prostrate and cries out to her king, ignoring that wretched Abishag, whose name means, My father is a wanderer, whose father could only be the devil, for Job 1.7 states, Satan wanders all over the earth. Ignoring the distractions of the one who comes to steal, kill, and destroy, she flung herself at the current throne of her Lord to plead for her condition. My Lord, my Lord, give me my promise. Breathing deeply, she poured out her heart, not even daring to look upon her Lord. She cried out and repeated the words that he had spoken and promised to her, that her son would receive God's grace and mercy and would walk in the royal promises. She cried out to receive the promise that was already given. She cried out to receive the promise that was already given. She cried to receive the promise that was already given. And I asked the mothers out there, what promise has God given you about your children? What promises are you not seeing right now? What promises have not been received yet? If you have received these promises and the opposite is happening right now, at this very moment, run to the throne of mercy and grace Ignore the wretched wanderer who wants you to accept the things the way they are and plead and declare what has already been spoken and let God arise to stand your case and your cause. And to anyone out there who sees contradictions and the wanderer stealing their joy and their promises, run to the throne of grace and plead your case and repeat those promises that have already been stated. Sometimes we fight too hard for what is already ours. We just need to run to the throne and repeat the words and remind God and petition God on our behalf to fulfill what has already been promised. And God will rise and with the might of his armies and the sanctification of his blood to fulfill the destiny and purposes he asked for you and those you are praying for.
Thanks for joining us for this episode of Message to Kings. Here's a note regarding the next couple of episodes. The next episode will be the death and legacy of David. Following this, we'll have some episodes discussing the world around this time period with the focus on Egypt, for Solomon will be marrying a princess of Egypt. In addition, we're considering a redo of the book of Genesis, which is around the first 10 episodes, which will take about three months before we get to Solomon. Let me know your thoughts on this by emailing messagetokings at gmail.com.